once again to the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Pretos. This is episode 76 and pardon the wind. It's getting a little blustery here as I'm outdoors. I'm not inside the contained space of my glorious studio there in uh, Los Angeles. I'm in Copenhagen, or as I've just discovered how you say it here, Copenhagen. I know I butchered that. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be here. I was actually going to record this, beginning of this, at the Parkin Stadium, which I visited, but it was very quiet. It was... You know, it was, it was odd. So I, I, it's a Saturday here, and people are in the boats going through these canals and having a good time. I just got mooned by uh, like a bunch of Navy personnel. Yeah, I mapped that together. But uh, instead of talking soccer and football uh, on the podcast, I decided to maybe just bring you along on my trip. So this is stop number, technically stop number two. I went to Helsinki, but it was just a stopover. Amazing when you fly out there, you actually curve up around Canada and through Greenland. It's not your traditional shot across Europe. So that was interesting. There are some technical difficulties. We won't get into that. Barely got out of LA. So that would have sabotaged my trip and I wouldn't be here talking about it right now with you. But uh, I'm here and it, what a place, man. What a place. It's, I'll tell you this, when you travel, you always uh, enjoy that shock when you get off the plane and you go into the city and you feel foreign. <laughs> It's something you're not familiar with, but there's something very familiar with to a degree. I mean, if you're from Boston or Toronto or one of those Atlantic seaboard towns, you feel like this is familiar to you. And the people, everyone speaks English, so there's not that shock to your system. So uh, if you're into that, which I am, but I like the shock as well, then uh, it's a good place to stop, especially this time of year. It's June. Everyone's in their sad. People are getting after it. People are getting after it. It's good to see. I can't really get after it too much. I've got to chill it a little bit with my family. But uh, I did a boat tour. You can rent your own little boat. I'm sure they were very reluctant to give me uh, the handle, but it's like those pontoons, very easy to control. So we'll be in Germany, we'll be in the Netherlands, and then uh, we'll release the pod. But uh, a reminder to everyone to rate, review. it's gonna be a little different format than usual. Rate, review, download and subscribe and tell a friend. So before we, uh, delve deeper into my travels. Obviously some big news. The 11 US cities announced for the 2026 World Cup. A lot of pomp and circumstance with regards to that announcement. In addition to the cities in Canada, the two in Canada, three in Mexico. And for me, the one I was looking forward to, I knew Los Angeles was gonna get a, and I argue with this of people on Twitter, but people, I don't know what's, I don't know why we're arguing about these things. There is a, these conversations about tradition and, you know, uh, venues that uh, could provide... Pardon me, I'm about to get hit by a bus. Uh, this is real time, baby. Um, kind of goes out the door when you're talking about the U.S. So I wanted SoFi Stadium, which is the most incredible venue for sport I have ever seen. To not have it included because... It hasn't got the parameters for soccer. And folks going, well, you can't really get a good view in this audacious, overblown scoreboard on the top, this video board. I'm like, shut up. Shut up, this is the United States. This is what we are known for. We're known for gaudy. That's what we are. Amen to that. 
So SoFi Stadium not only should be a venue, which it is, it wasn't the Rose Bowl. I love the Rose Bowl, many great memories, but getting there is a pain in the butt. It's way off in Pasadena and it's old. So here's to all new. Look, all these new venues are, uh, are all over the World Cup in years past. Look at Brazil, all the venues that are still in usage with the exception of Manaus. You know, everyone talked about what are they going to do with these stadiums, but they're all getting usage. The one in Fortaleza, the one in uh, the various ones in Sao Paulo. It's uh, pretty freaking cool. So the new stadiums have to be catered to, but SoFi should also host the final. They're saying Meadowlands. I'm like, what? Why New Jersey? If you've been to LA in Inglewood, it is, it's close to the airport. You're really close to everything. You're close to the beaches. You're close to Hollywood. It's a very center located stadium and it is unbelievable. And I can't wait to see the 2026 World Cup final when the United States is playing there against, let's say, France. And uh, I'll hopefully be seated there. Beautiful fountains here in Copenhagen. So that's the next step. And I was right about SoFi being, everyone said you're crazy. It's not gonna be at SoFi Stadium. They're not gonna, they're not gonna fix the, di the diameter of it and have you in it. Well, you were wrong. Because one thing you learn about the soccer OG, and if you're a faithful listener about this place, I never steer you wrong. See it gravitating? No. Am I right? My friend Leland, who's, who helps me with this podcast, he goes, that's why I like you, Bredos, because you're not wrong. I'm really not. Sorry, I'm walking around here. It's very festive again. It's a Saturday. So that's the second part that I want to fall out. Now, I'm very happy for Houston and Dallas and Kansas City and and Philadelphia and all the places that were awarded host cities. And they're all great cities. They all got great venues. If you talk to people visiting the United States, the places they would want to go for a World Cup in the United States or in North America for that matter, Mexico City would be at the top of the list. So let's just focus on the US venues. It would be in this order. Number one, Las Vegas. Number two, Miami. <laughs> number three, Los Angeles. Number four, Orlando. Number five, New York City. Maybe you can flip Orlando and New York City. And people go, oh my God, are you kidding me? The ugly American. Good, let me tell you, man, they have nonstop flights to Vegas from all over the world. They used to have one from Manchester. So don't tell me foreigners don't want to go to Las Vegas. Las Vegas wasn't on the list. Their organizing group wasn't really had their ducks in a row. Neither did Chicago. Neither did, neither did Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. wanted to have the games in Baltimore. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Nobody in Europe or South America or the Far East wants to go to Baltimore. All due respect. Lovely town. Great seafood. Let's go to D.C. This is what I learned about traveling. Europeans come to the United States for Las Vegas. They bring their kids to Orlando or LA for Disney. They also love national parks. The national parks in America actually have more visitors from Europe than they have from the United States. This was what I was told on my visits to Yosemite. See, this is people, I, I sent a tweet about this and everyone goes, you are the ugly American. I go, <laughs> I guarantee you, people are bummed out that they didn't have in Las Vegas. 
because this isn't a sightseeing tour to the US for the World Cup. This is football and fun. Miami's high on the list, and I can say this about Miami, because that's where I grew up. I don't want to go to Miami in June for a World Cup, but everyone in South America, some lovely music here. Everyone in South America and in the rest of CONCACAF want to go to Miami. It's sexy. It's where you go and have a, a, some, some laughs. You get after it. It's a melting pot of Latin American culture. So Miami's high on that list. Miami did not have a World Cup bid in 1994. They had one here. By the way, I can't recommend Copenhagen. I don't know if I'm going to come back here again, but I've had such a lovely time and I'm just having three days. So we're off to Hamburg here in a few hours, taking a train and I'm going to go see the stadium at St. Pauli and I'll do my next report from there. So I'm going to empty the chamber here about the World Cup before we get more into the sightseeing. So I can tell you the tourists are disappointed that it's not Las Vegas, Miami. It is Miami. It's not Orlando, Los Angeles and New York also on that list. I'm happy, but these other venues, the two Texas venues, the people don't want to go there, man. People come to the United States, and I told you why, and they'll stay here, but they, they want to also limit their travel and it being on airplanes and being in public transport, which we have an issue with in the United States as it applies to the World Cup. They want to, they want to take a plane to Vegas, they want to see a game in Vegas, then they want to go to the casinos and rinse and repeat. This isn't the ugly American talking. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen, not that China's in the World Cup, but I've seen how the Chinese New Year, I've heard every language and accent in Las Vegas upon my visits. It is rampant. It's high on the list. Talk to the English where they want to go. <laughs> Talk to the English where they had direct flights from various English ports of call to Las Vegas. So I, I'm not talking on behalf of Las Vegas. I detest, I like Las Vegas. That's too strong of a word, but I don't want to go there. But travelers do, because it's a place unlike anywhere else in the world. What is it, Macau in the Far East can certainly apply to it, but not the dingy way Las Vegas does. So that is a... Uh, that's gonna be a letdown, but let's not let that discourage us as we look forward to the 2026 World Cup. It obviously, this announcement made it feel very real. And um, really four years is gonna fly by and I can't wait. The 94 World Cup, I was very disappointed. I was in college at Florida State and I did go see a game in Orlando. It was, uh, was it Morocco, Belgium? Not really the game of the tournament by any means, but I could have gone to more and I didn't. I was in college, I didn't have any money, and I was just getting into this soccer thing. It was 94 where I was listening to Univision and Andres Cantor when I said to myself, this is what I want to do for a living. I want to broadcast soccer, but never in my wildest dreams that I think it would progress where it could be sustainable as a career in English, which a few years later it was for me, starting around 99. So, uh, this is going to be different for me, the way I consume it, and you can see how it's, uh, how it's moving right along. Uh, I, didn't, I was in Europe, thank goodness, didn't get to see the Fox rollout show. It was weird. Uh, a lot of friends at Fox, but my guard is up about the way they're going to cover this. 
Uh, I can assure you I'm going to watch my World Cup in Telemundo over the air. Kind of talked about it in the last show, how they show the games in those two qualifying games for Qatar, which was certainly New Zealand and Costa Rica, which was on FS2. And just the lack of... Uh, didn't differentiate their coverage when they covered the game between Peru and Australia. It's the World Cup. Telemundo, of course, covered it like the World Cup had started that week. So there we are. Now, uh, we talked about the host cities. And I just wanted to mention, look, I, I'm not trying to, disc to uh, undermine what has happened with this incredible work the host cities do. And, Nate Bucati tweeted me, he's great, and he was there for Kansas City and Seattle. Seattle got it. It's wonderful. You know, and people would say, people want to come to Seattle. I go, no, they don't. No, they don't. Latin Americans don't. It's going to be a 48 team World Cup. Europeans, perhaps. Uh, the National Parks is interesting, but they're not going to build a 50,000 seat stadium in, alongside Yosemite, right? San Francisco is going to be good because it's close to national parks like Yosemite. But man, have you seen San Francisco lately? It's not, it's, it's, it's scary. San Francisco's high on the list of tourism, but a lot has changed in recent years. That city has suffered. I know LA has suffered with regards to the homeless and crime. Well, San Francisco's a different kettle of fish, but, uh, couldn't be a World Cup without San Francisco, even though the games are in Santa Clara. And that's another thing about LA. And that's another thing about SoFi. You're coming to a, you're getting off an airplane at LAX. It's a 15 minute Uber drive. It won't be a 15 minute Uber drive when a World Cup game is going on. I can assure you that it'll be a lot longer than that. But without, if you're just getting off and going, it is a stone so. And now that I'm talking about this and I live in Redondo Beach, which is two towns over from Inglewood, be a little worried. <laughs> 2026 will be a pain in the butt well, because of that. But it's easy. You go to San Francisco, you take a, what, a 45 minute drive to Santa Clara, which is fine. You know, think about when you're visiting. Some people don't have this endless supply of money to travel all over the United States. And public transport is a big issue. I mean, rental cars, I'm, I'm sure it's gonna look better than they are now where rental cars are impossible to get, but that's getting better. Car prices, used cars, it's starting to come down, which is great news. And obviously rental cars, there's more availability of vehicles. I wish there was better public transport because that is obviously very exciting, but this is a different phenomenon. Different World Cups provide a different experience. A World Cup in Germany, everything's close by. And you know what to expect. A World Cup in the United States is different. And let me assure you, visitors are into that. They are, <laughs> they are into the idea that it is a wide scope that they're going to go see these cities and they would love to have gambled in Las Vegas. They would have loved to have gone to see the Disney parks in, in Orlando, but they'll be happy going to some other places. So it's all good. It's all good. I'm just bringing that up because I've seen it with my own eyes. I know what tourists want and it's not just the ugly Americans that like this stuff. It's the rest of the world. Trust me, they do. Johnny Infantino made uh, some comments which uh, just showed how to, out of touch FIFA can be. And you know, Gianni Infantino seems like a really competent dude. 
and he's continued to make FIFA, uh, you know, an, a, a windfall of money and success and uh, interest. But he said that in 2026, the World Cup is going to be the most popular sport in this country, which let's, it's an impossibility, okay? It's not even to come close. If it can get to be the third best sport in the United States, that'd be a huge story. And I don't even think that's possible. Let's go through the pecking order. Football, professional now. Football, even though college football will always be bigger than soccer as well. Football, basketball, baseball, uh, hockey. And we, we hear these reports due to the consumption of the sport and the participation that soccer has moved ahead of hockey. And whether they've done that now or whether they do it in 2026, they'll be ahead of hockey for sure by then. Maybe ahead of baseball. Maybe ahead of baseball. It's a wonderful time for this sport. The national team is doing well. MLS is on the up and up with the new broadcast deal that we documented on the last show. Uh, millions, even billions of dollars being spent for broadcast rights. Soccer's in a great place. And obviously the participation uh, is going to get better. We have Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney, but the next group is going to blow it out of the water. Look, I'm in Denmark. Copenhagen, there's a million people. Denmark made the semifinals of the Euros. It's a small country. When you come to Europe, what hits you immediately is how small these countries are in comparison to where we live in the US. And I know we have a global audience here on the Soccer OG. I've seen the numbers and I love our global audience. Wherever you are, thanks for tuning in. Rate, review, subscribe, download, tell a friend. But when you start driving and getting trains around here, you see how small these countries are in Copenhagen. I mean, Denmark is a, is a second tier favorite to actually lift the World Cup. Germany's obviously a lot bigger. France is obviously a lot bigger. Belgium, Netherlands, small. Yet they can put a national team together that is competitive on a World Cup level. Look at the US, if there is interest here, I know if you've heard this many times before, but if there is interest here, it's going to blow everyone out of the water. And I can assure you, if it's not 2026, the US is going to win a World Cup sooner than later because they're, the next big group of star players are coming out of this country Canada to a lesser degree, because now they see a path. They see a World Cup to get excited about. They see money. They see money, and it can come their way, and big amounts. Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Brandon Aronson, $30 million transfer. This trickles down, and the participation's gonna grow and grow, and it's gonna grow in the inner cities. It's gonna grow in the, the, the neighborhoods of Hispanic Americans, uh, four, five, ten years, the U.S. national team is going to be one of the hardest to crack and the talent levels through the roof. We've got to get better at coaching. We've got to get better uh, at funding this, but it's happening, okay? It's happening. And the U.S. will be a top ten team forever and ever, amen. So it's happening. That's what you notice about Europe. The, the, the resources are great here, but the width and breadth of talent, you have to look for it. There's so many people in these countries that Denmark and the Netherlands and Belgium and Iceland can be competitive and repetitively competitive. They have all the resources, they have the great coaching, but the US knows what's ahead. And more and more people invested in the sport and the World Cup will help that. 
it's happening. So let's get back to Johnny Infantino. <laughs> I just wish we could avoid these absurd comments. Nothing, no one, anyway, anyhow, is touching the National Football League. Not only will soccer not reach 20, the NFL by 2026, there's a good chance that the NFL could move further out in front. It is a runaway train. The NFL picks and chooses who its broadcast partners are, and whoever is blessed with those broadcast responsibilities, and I shouldn't use the word responsibility, who are blessed with the NFL as a broadcast partner, immediately succeed. If you are a big network and you're not in bed with the NFL, you are dead. You fall off the back bumper. That's why Disney, that's why now Amazon is in, that's why Fox. Whatever the NFL names its price, you pay it. There's no, there's no haggling. So the NFL is king and it will continue to be king. It will continue to grow. So to ever say that soccer can catch the NFL is absolute folly. And I would feel more competent of having a president of FIFA who is aware of that and not say that and make everyone roll their eyes because they ain't catching the NFL. They may catch basketball one day. They may. Certainly if they can get the athletes from the inner city, which I feel is happening, the interest is there because once you see the basketball is cool, basketball is the coolest sport, has all the gear, the basketball, unlike football, you see the athletes and you can, if you're successful at basketball, you can name your price when it comes to PR, when it comes to making money off the court. So uh, that can happen for soccer. That can happen for soccer, for these athletes, and the windfall of money will come in thick and fast, as we've seen it with guys like Christian Pulisic. But can you imagine someone like Steph Curry playing soccer and being a, a marketing darling the way he is for basketball? That's going to happen. So soccer can close the gap on basketball, maybe considerably by 2026. But the NFL, no. Soccer doesn't want any of the NFL's heat, right? You don't want that. You don't, you don't want to pick a fight with the NFL. I can imagine Roger Goodell's reaction when he heard that. He's like, okay. So uh, I understand about rah, rah, rahing. And you know, the other thing about these comments is it turns people off. And this is the audience that we want to draw into this sport. When you say it's gonna be bigger than the NFL, fans of the NFL are going, yeah, really? And they're laughing. And it, they'll, make a, they'll make it a priority to say, screw you, soccer, I'll never watch or support this. You're, you're distancing yourself from a market, an audience that you want to draw in, because we're nowhere near drawing that in as a country. Soccer comes on the TV at the bar, you usually turn it off. And us as a fan base, we get very touchy about it. We've got to stop being touchy about it. We've got to be inclusive instead of exclusive and say, you don't understand. So everything is in place. Let's not say silly things. Let us, uh, let us teach, let us welcome in new soccer fans and tell them what's so cool about it. And don't talk down to them, talk at their level. If they're not into it, so be it. Don't say anything as you walk away. Because all of us that are in the sport, that's our responsibility because we want to leave this sport in better shape than it was left for us prior. And look, the growth has been incredible as I documented from 1994 to where we are in 2022. 
things have changed considerably. I probably won't be able to cash in on it, maybe a little bit. But soccer's been really good to me, and I, I appreciate it and respect it and want to help it grow for the next, next person that's in my shoes. I truly mean that. Leave it in a better place than it was before. We got some work to do. And we need the right people there. We need some, A, we need some good soccer people and we need some cool people in these positions. We can't be these nerds, these soccer nerds that we've been. And, you know, I consider myself in that role too. We gotta look, hey, soccer fans are cool. Oof. It's getting hot here in uh, beautiful Kruppenhahn. I butchered that again. These, these Danes look at me like I'm crazy. But, and Danes love to be naked, which I kind of respect too. I was jumping in the water with their clothes off as I got mooned not too long ago. The soccer OG, my European travails, tribulations, successes, will continue here. We'll check in again when I'm in Hamburg. The plan after that's to be Berlin and then Amsterdam and then back home. We'll get back into the rhythm of things from that point forward. I miss you guys, so I'm not going on my vacation without including you. So we're walking down here, uh, New Haven, great place to get. I've, I've, I've got to drink stronger alcohol at this point. All I've been doing is drinking beer and I feel that yeasty kind of feeling in your back and your, and your stomach. So it's just hard not to when it's warm. And this beer here, Mikeler, I'm sure you heard it, it's a, more of a microbrew, fantastic. And the Tuborg and the Carlsberg that we would drink normally, so much tastier here in this city than when you drink it in the United States or probably the rest of continental Europe. So uh, we'll leave it at that. I know I forgot a few things. I'm sorry I was all over the shop, but I'm literally walking down the Niels Hemmingsons Gada and uh, just got my phone out talking into a microphone looking like a complete imbecile. One other thing, Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen, I heard about it. It was kind of like this theme park in the middle of the city that was the inspiration for Walt Disney. Uh, it has like, it's a small world, but it's all the stories of Hans Christian Andersen, who you did not know was from Denmark. That place is magical. So you almost come here just to go there. It is not gaudy. There's not a parking lot next to it that needs 20,000 cars so they can go into this theme park like you might see in Orlando or Anaheim. It's a, a theme park nestled in here with all the goodness of this incredible Scandinavian Nordic city. So when you come, make sure you have Tivoli Gardens. I want to say hi to my new friend Skylar, who had us at, uh, what was the name of the place? We had a great breakfast. He, I always talk to people on my trips and Skylar was from Santa Monica, not far from me in Redondo Beach. And he had us at breakfast at the Next Door Cafe. Uh, wonderful pancakes. Great coffee, just a nice breakfast. So check out Next Door Cafe and my good ask for Skylar, top of the pops guy. Soccer OG will continue live, not so live actually, taped from Europe. Again, and greetings from Hamburg, where uh, it's a Sunday, and uh, I have a really rich tradition of 
showing up at stadiums when there's nothing going on, when there's no games. And in this case, at the Millentor Stadion of FC St. Pauli, which I took a photo, you can see it on uh, my social media, where you uh, take a where I go to these stadiums and uh, there's nothing going on, no games, no nothing. Part of that is because I'm working during the season, so you can't go to these venues. But I was hoping to go to the store. Ian Joy was going to hook it up, but he told me, he goes, Sunday, everything's kind of closed there, including the uh, team store, so I couldn't pick up any cool little tourist uh, thingamajiggies. Um, so be it. But um, still took a photo. That's about the extent of it. Uh, famously, I went to La Bombonera out of season, did a tour. I went to Old Trafford out of season, did a tour. At that tour, and I'm sure I've mentioned that here on the podcast before, we're doing a tour. We're on the field side. Told, told us multiple times, don't go on the field. So I'm walking. I'm behind a few other folks watching it. The guy in front of us doing the tour saying, yada, yada, yada. This was this. This was that. 1963. So I, I literally put two steps on the field. I hear this voice belt out from above the stadium. And it's, this is what it said. Get off of there. That's holy ground. I look up. I kid you not. It is Sir Bobby Charlton. I was absolutely devastated. I felt like I just insulted the queen or whatever that might be, but it was a very bitter pill to swallow. Lesson learned. And uh, well, there you have it. So that's my thing. I go to stadiums where nothing's going on. I like to go to stadiums when there's a game going on, but in this case, schedule this trip. Copenhagen for a couple days, Hamburg, Berlin next. Nothing going on at the Olympia Stadion, so I'll report something very similar as well this time around. But Millentor took a photo. It's lovely. It's great to be here at the Reeperbahn. I heard stories. This is a, an avenue of ill repute. So uh, <laughs> Hamburg being a port city, sailors come in, get their party on and leave. It is what it is. Lots of prostitution. Not that we're going to sample any of that, and with my family, obviously. But uh, there is a, a soccer connection, which is part of making this podcast uh, contribution here. And we will continue. I hope you're enjoying it. I am. It's nice to talk. And maybe you can come to Hamburg, which is an absolutely stunning city. So much history. And with the port, we did a boat tour. There was a boat tour. We were uh, actually on the... Uh, uh, it was like a Mississippi river boat <laughs> on the Elba River. And seeing the port, seeing the cargo ships is uh, pretty, uh, it's pretty spectacular. You feel very small. You see how important all of this is in the big picture of things. We're going to go to Minotaur Wunderland. My, my son keeps mentioning it. It's a uh, world of miniatures, thousands and thousands of little miniature worlds. And if it's worthwhile, maybe I can uh, do a report from there as well. But I uh, highly recommend Go to Europe, go to places you may not expect to have ever gone to, and uh, check it out. Yeah, some of the locals having a laugh. We're walking down the Reaper Bond at the daytime, so it doesn't have its magical red light element. My first time, so now I can say I was here. We are here for one day, 
So we have a, a train to Berlin around 7 o'clock. It's around 1.30 right now. And we will pivot after that and uh, move onwards. So uh, hopefully we have more football elements. I, I certainly, I think I emptied, emptied the chamber with regards to the uh, situation with the uh, World Cup sites. Nothing new to report, but uh, I got a little bit of pushback here on Twitter, but uh, just no more uh, fluff from Johnny Infantino. That would be something uh, we probably had enough of. Uh, very condescending, but it is what it is. We're Americans, we don't know any better. Soccer OG will continue to file some reports, but that's it from Hamburg. Come down and uh, check it out. It's a four and a half hour train ride from Copenhagen, two hours to Berlin. We'll move on from there and I'll think of more soccer stories as they break. It was great to try and see the LAFC Seattle game. It was on around 8 p.m. I had a feed for a split second and then it went away. Uh, no MLS package in Germany, at least not on the channels I had at the hotel. So I wasn't really going beyond that anyway. So small doses, but happy to see LAFC get the point, the comeback kids. And now we're going to get Carlos Vela signed and we'll move on from there. Next stop, Berlin. We'll talk to you then. Welcome back to the Soccer OG. I am uh, recording this. And some of the news, by the way, you're going to get on this. It's going to be a bit dated because I'm doing a recording from each of my European stops with some information that I think you'll find useful. And for those who listen regularly or to those who are new listeners of this podcast, uh, it's uh, informative and uh, not a waste of your time. But I am joining you now from one of the most incredible squares in the world, the Gendarmen Market in Berlin. Uh, I, I don't know if I can do it justice. They have a concert hall. They have like a, a parliament house. Have, it's, it's panoramic. Three incredible buildings and then this beautiful street. And you can just sit here and look at the statues. And uh, second time I've been to Berlin. I actually came in 2005 ahead of the 2006 World Cup. Fox sent me to do uh, six or seven interviews where it was Nike, it was under Nike's watch, and we interviewed a lot of the Nike athletes. So it was uh, Davor Suker, I think it was Davor Suker, it's another Croatian player. There was like seven or eight players. The one that I remember the most is Luis Figo, because he had a watch on that was the size of a woodland creature, and I couldn't take my eyes off it. But the lovely, lovely man, lovely man. And gonna do these interviews was pretty cool, but that was ahead of the 2006 World Cup, which wasn't really a great one for the US. I think DeMarcus Beasley was the player that the, was representing the U.S. because they released the new jerseys. I can't believe it was 2005. It felt like it was five years ago, but now I, I can tell you it was 17 years ago. But that's why I'm the soccer OG. But the Gendarmen Market, I mean, if you come to Berlin, Berlin's a place you can do sightseeing, but it's just nice to sit and take it in. The streets are just spectacular. Uh, the parquet courts have a song called Berlin Got Blurry which uh, talks about the, uh, the nightlife. And uh, I'm only here two days. We're off to Amsterdam tomorrow, and I'll do another, my final European report from Amsterdam. But uh, I was, my night out was last night, but I just can't get hold of my sleep patterns. I don't get up that early, but I'm getting up at like six. I usually get up at like eight, and I, I do most of my work late at night. Getting up at six, eating and, and doing the tourist thing, which is exhausting, uh, by... Uh, 10 o'clock you're out so I my wife was there and I go I'm going out 
I'm going out. I put my jacket on, walk to the lobby of the hotel. I go, I can't do it. I want to go to bed so bad. So I couldn't get blurry like the parquet courts did. But it could have been fun. It was also a Monday night. So uh, maybe best not to get too blurry. I haven't, that's the thing. I, I thought I was going to get after it. I thought it would be puddled out on booze every night. I've had, I'm averaging about no spirits. I haven't had any booze and about three beers a day. So I need to pick it up. Maybe a little sparkling wine. Maybe Amsterdam. <laughs> the Gendarmen Market, one of the, my favorite places to hang out. And I'm sitting here recording this, happy as a clam, talking to you. Let's get to the soccer now. Uh, quickly, Christian Pulisic. The big news now that uh, Raheem Sterling uh, has been identified by Chelsea as a player they want to bring in. New Chelsea American ownership. Uh, obviously wants to keep them competitive as they're going through quite a transformation under new ownership and it trickles down. They don't want to lose Christian Pulisic because that's a great commodity. We've talked uh, ad nauseum here and on the, uh, on the Soccer OG YouTube show under my name, Max Bretos. Check it out. And uh, we talked about Christian Pulisic to find a new club. And if Raheem Sterling does show up at Chelsea, that is, that is the final straw. Now, I could stick up for Christian Pulisic regarding players like Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. I think he's on their level. He's on their level. Raheem Sterling at Chelsea, not on his level. He has that advantage being the English player. Raheem Sterling is not the player he was two years ago, but man, there was a moment, 2019, 2020, where Raheem Sterling was in the discussion of the five or six best players in the world. That's something Christian Pulisic has never reached, nor will he ever reach, I don't think. I mean, he's what, 23, 24. Uh, that window to reach elite status is closing. He's still going to be an incredible world-class player. Now, Raheem Sterling isn't in that group of seven or eight players anymore, but he's not far off of it. And since he will play on the left wing, Christian Pulisic is going to be second fiddle to Raheem Sterling. I don't think there's anything you can do about it. Uh, maybe you move Mason Mount a little further back and you allow some room for... Sterling or Pulisic to go on the right side. I don't know, but that's a lot of players to beat. I always encourage Christian Pulisic to not back down from a challenge, and he doesn't have to listen to me, obviously, and nor will he back down from a challenge. But uh, this would uh, put his minutes in peril if, in fact, Chelsea remain with the same group of players, because Thomas Tuchel is going to love having Raheem Sterling. Hence why the pursuit. So there it is. So that's uh, just one of the topics that I wanted to touch on. And look, Christian Pulisic, is, he was, uh, he's been excellent, getting better and better and staying healthy, knock on wood. I'm on a bench. That's me hitting the wood. Um, I think his journey at Chelsea has been a good one. I think there's been enough stuff happening in and around that club with would encourage him to leave or want to leave and he's under contract and he's a, a huge asset for that club but um it is tricky i mean it's it, it's a there's a player who wants to challenge himself he has to he has to address the club and say that because even though he's under contract with everything the turmoil that's happened with the team he could walk in there and say i want to go and if he puts enough pressure then it could speak volumes but where does he go? Liverpool just signed Darwin Nunez. That was an option. That ain't happening. And Bayern Munich just signed Sadio Mane. By the way, I know I think I said that. Uh, 
in Berlin and in Hamburg, Sadio Mane PR posters everywhere. So very exciting move. So where do you go after that? Elite club? Ugh. We don't know. We don't know. And a player of that price tag, he's in a bit of a bind. So we will uh, circle back. But I know I've, I've waved the flag for Christian Pulisic, but Raheem Sterling is just a, that's going to be a tough guy to get in front of the pecking order, right? So there it is. The other thing I wanted to address is <laughs> uh, the World Cup 2026. We talked about which cities would come and uh, where, uh, where the visitors would like to visit. But now internally, I'm on Twitter and everybody is warning visitors to the U.S. about all the horrible things in that country. And I say that country because I'm in Germany right now. But all the horrible things in that country. Crime, obviously we have a crime problem. Um, shootings are occurring all the time. Uh, okay, that is a bit of an outlier here and I will compartmentalize that away from the other things. Uh, public transport, oh, how are these, Ameri how are these tourists gonna get around via the public transport situation in cities that don't have any, like Los Angeles or Miami or Houston or Dallas, and forgive me if they have a better public transport. Look, Americans love their car. I will say this about public transport. We're so far behind uh, Europe and other parts of the world as a country to have developed a good public transport system. Now we do have it in New York and Washington, D.C. Uh, and Boston and Chicago. Uh, many of which on that list are not on, on this uh, World Cup venue. But yeah, public transport. But okay, heat. Yeah, it's summer. It's going to be heat. World Cups are in the summer generally. Or if they're not, they're in the winter in a place that it feels like it's summer. So heat is not on the list. The fact that you have to come here and uh, tip people when you go to the restaurants or bars. By the way, uh, I haven't had to tip people in Europe. But I'm American, man. I'm American. If I get good service, I'm going to leave a tip. And by the way, I, I just want to tell people, when you're in a hotel, leave a tip for the cleaning crew. Leave a tip there because that's a hard job. Cleaning toilets and making beds. Leave a tip. If you're going to leave a $10 tip for a bartender, you know, leave a $3, $4 tip for the cleaning person. That, I, I, that is something I'm demanding of you for those who are traveling. Leave a tip on the desk, by the bed, at your hotel. But you know, people outside of the US, they don't tip. That's a problem. Hey, you're gonna have to tip. Service industry may be not at the same level as you'll find all over the world. The list goes on and on and on. And I just wanna say, millions of people have visited the United States up till now. Millions more will visit the United States after the World Cup. They get it. They're coming here because they like to come here. So we can unfurl all these reasons not to come, but that is just uh, counterintuitive. It, it pushes, just stop. Just what is this, it's, it's not anti-American, it's just, uh, what, what are we warning these people? Everyone wants to come to this country. People are bent over backwards to come to the U.S. for this World Cup. It was the, the you know, the most successful uh, financially in 1994, and this one's going to blow that out of the water. Oh, the, uh, the expanse of the U.S. Oh, no, that you're going to have to find a way if you watch 
your favorite national team in in uh, Miami or Atlanta, and then you have to follow the Belgians over to Santa Clara. Oh, how are you going to do it? People will figure it out. So let's chill out on the warning uh, American visitors four years out of the issues here in this country. That's why the soccer OG is a little different, because I'm looking at it through red, white, and blue lenses. And the sport, as we said earlier here, is going to grow. Let's not push against it internally, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because the visions will come, and they won't listen to you. But I think it's a bad look. So, stop. It's a good time to really wave the American flag here. I mean, the beautiful Gendarmen Market. Look at incredible German culture. Next up, I'll join you from Amsterdam. Until then, guten Tag. Greetings from Amsterdam. The final stop. We hear the bells of the church. You hear that? Isn't that haunting? There it is. It's uh, 9.30 local time. Still daylight is out as we're here in the uh, Midsommar, as they would say in Scandinavia, I believe. Uh, I came to Amsterdam when I was uh, 12 years old. So I remember it. I remember with my dad, that's part of the reason I did this trip, to take my son and show him this, because I remember everything about traveling when I was 12. It was a long time ago. And it was winter time, and I remember the first thing I saw was a snowman that was built. And it, uh, it was shaped of a naked woman. She had breasts, and they put some hay to make pubic hair. And I asked my father a lot of questions, and now my son's asking me those questions as we walk through these streets. And uh, some are uncomfortable. You see them growing up so fast, and they're asking to try and do some things that uh, you hope they wouldn't want to do for a few more years, but that's kids these days, right? So it's still a very good experience, but this city is unbelievable. Uh, I was getting a much better look. I know most of you have been here. They're listening to, if you've not, you get to the air, you get to the airport, Schiphol Airport. You uh, you um, go to the central station, 15-minute ride. You spill out of the central station, and you're here. You're into the city, and uh, it's unlike anything. And if Emma says it's the greatest city in the world, it has some uh, backing to that because it is a city. It's it hits you like a, a fist. <laughs> That's a little bit strong. As soon as you enter the limits, you don't have to go through this, this phase where you have to take a cab. Or, you don't take cabs here. You're in the city and you could walk all around it in probably an hour. Uh, I've always been amazed by uh, Dutch architecture. It says a lot about a country. It's a small country. And it applies to the, the way they play their football, right? The Dutch, with Johan Cruyff and Ruth Hulet and all these greats, uh, Rennes Michel, they all made the use of space. That's the Dutch way, right? You don't have a lot of space in your country. You don't have a lot of space in your city here. So you make the most of it. And you find it. And they've had so much success there. So uh, anything Dutch football to me is absolutely fascinating because of that philosophy. 
you know, you make space. You make these tiny buildings that go up. Uh, <laughs> nothing is wasted. It's really a, 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 a country that is, makes the most of what it has, right? And I uh, also found out that Amsterdam is because they build dams. So that's me being the dumb American. Uh, but uh, it's a functional place. And I want to come back again. Maybe without my family. <laughs> we had some, uh, so, a lot of uh, eye candy, if you want to call it that, for us roaming around. But I just wanted to put a bow on our trip here. I'll be back with the Soccer OG with uh, a proper soccer podcast. Although I have immersed some soccer themes into this. We are heading into the transfer window. We'll talk about that. A lot of Americans involved too. Uh, Tyler Adams looking like a good deal for someone out there. Could he go to Leeds? Remember we talked about Leeds United under Jesse Marsh accruing a, a lot of American players or American-based players. You know, Valentin Castellanos is not American, but coming from MLS, that's an advantage Jesse Marsh has from being American. And maybe he can get a good deal because he knows the league and he knows he has the contacts. Uh, Gaga Slonina, what happens with him? That should be very interesting. And a few other uh, Americans that will be involved uh, in what should be the biggest market for American players in quite some time. Um, so there you have it. Have a little bit more time here and then back to the US. So we squeezed four cities in eight days. I think we did pretty well. I need a vacation from this. <laughs> Who else did I miss when I was talking about Americans? I know there's some talk about, oh, Reggie Cannon, Gianluca Busio. Uh, who's the next young player that makes it out there? It should be interesting. And we move forward. That's all. We'll put a bow on it. Soccer OG, rate, review, download, subscribe. We'll continue to meander around the beautiful canals of Amsterdam uh, and appreciate what this incredible city has done. Until the next time. Plaza Domingo. <laughs>